Thanks for joining us for Journey Living with Shannon Meyer. Journey Living is a radio broadcast featuring the Bible teaching of Shannon Meyer, whose passion is to help women walk with God through the trials and challenges of life. Now, here's Shannon. Good morning, and welcome back to the show. I'm happy that you've decided to tune in today because this is one of those shows that I think will speak to each and every one of us right where we live. Now, the only person that this is not going to apply to today would be the one who's been living under a rock for about the last 12 to 18 months. The one that may be a nomad who is deep in the hills or high in the mountains where there's no service or any kind of connection to the rest of the world. More than likely, that would be very, very few number of people out there. But just in the event that you are one of those people and you came out into society from a long away place... You are now in the throes of a crazy made society. Maybe like most of us, you were just doing your own thing and minding your own business when all of a sudden, out of nowhere, you were hit upside the head with the unbelievable reality that your world would never be the same. All of us have been shook to the core with this pandemic. We have lost our homes and businesses. We've lost our loved ones and close friends. But I think the biggest loss and fallout for all of us would be the losing of our minds. With anxiety at an all-time high due to the uncertainty on any given day, we have set ourselves on pace to be the most medicated generation for symptoms that we can control if we would simply take the time to do so. Now, I'm not talking about anyone who has psychological issues that need to be under the care of a professional who can treat the disease or chemical imbalance in the brain. No, I'm talking about the person who has been overstimulated, overworked, and overwhelmed by their current crisis. Now, before anybody sends me any hate mail or emails about taking medication, please listen to this entire show and its content. Because I have had many friends and family who have needed to use medication to help them through a period of depression or sadness. People who need to have gotten help from a doctor to get them through a traumatic time in their life. I totally understand it. When we need to get help, we certainly should go seek it out. But today, I want to talk about the ramifications of what has happened to us when we continue on a cycle of strain and struggle, of anxiety and being overwhelmed, of paranoia and problems that seem to never end. You see, our brains were not built to live in fight or flight 24-7. Sure, in the beginning stages, that was the caveman's way of living. He knew to kill or be killed. He hunted to provide and to bring home for his family and leave again. One of the greatest lessons I have ever learned about the brain was the difference between a man's brain and that from a woman's. The man was not given a nurturing brain or emotions for a very good reason. And this might be where you struggle the most with your husband's gals. But it was God's design and with good reason. He made the man to hunt and bring home sustenance for his family. He was and is the strong and more muscular of each gender. For this reason, his mind told him to go out and provide, not to stay home. But on the other hand, he gave the woman a brain to take care of, to nurture, and to draw his, her husband back home. Think for a moment, if the roles are reversed in their minds, what would they be like? His family would probably not have survived for the sole fact that the woman did not have that hunt to kill to provide mentality like the man. God created in us all the fight or flight mechanism. 
man and woman alike. But what is happening today is that we are reverting all the way back to caveman times with very underdeveloped brains in a society that we are beginning to act as though they did thousands of years ago. I believe with all of my heart that we are all created for a generation for such a time as this. The caveman was not created for the year 2021, nor were we created for the year 21 BC. God knew how we would act and has programmed our brains to manage and maintain a healthy mental lifestyle if we choose to do so. But I think what makes me most sad is that we don't have to succumb to all that the enemy is trying to destroy us with, but we do allow it every day. For instance, let's just take our phones. For those of you who have notifications going off on your phone every day, all day, you are now training your brain to be in crisis mode at all times. This is often how a soldier is when he is deployed or on active duty. But even they are not supposed to be in fight or flight mode for the rest of their lives. Unfortunately, that has been the case for many of them when they return home. As the everyday citizen whom God created, he did not want us going around living in a constant state of panic and fear. 2 Timothy 1.7 says, For God did not give us a spirit of timidity or fear, but a spirit of power, of love, and of self-discipline. Other versions say of sound mind. So if God didn't give it to us, then who did? And why do we possess it? Especially when he says not to. First and foremost, you have to understand where the fear, anxiety, and confusion comes from if you want to overcome it. And secondly, you'll have to follow the instructions of the Lord if you ever want to win the battle from within. Now, if you'll jump over just one chapter in 2 Timothy, it says in verse 3, Endure with us like a good soldier of Jesus Christ. No one serving as a soldier gets involved in civilian affairs. He wants to please his commanding officer. So let's just connect my opening statement to this verse and see what God is asking of us. Number one, if you are a Christian, you have been recruited to be in the Lord's army. So you are a soldier, hopefully marching to further his kingdom while we are yet still here on earth. And secondly, it says we are not to get involved in civilian affairs, meaning we are to be set apart. We are different. The things that bother the average person should not phase you or I. We have become so enamored with everything that's going on around us that we can't even think straight. This keeps us in constant crisis mode. We can watch in an instant a tsunami that has hit Sri Lanka, killing and destroying thousands of lives. And then in the next minute, we can witness bodies being buried in a mudslide in Rwanda. And we can watch horrifyingly as a mother and child float away down a raging river in Mexico to their sudden and untimely death. All of this news and information bombarding our minds leaves us feeling like a true soldier on active duty in hostile territory, running for our own lives. We're ducking for cover, hiding in hysteria and fearing for the future, while all the while we are nowhere close to any danger. Yes, there is a rumbling on the horizon. Yes, I know. Of course there is. I see it too. We are in a worldwide pandemic. But are there wild storms ripping through our countrysides that we have no control over? Yes. But is this truly the life that God has intended for us to have? Well, that's a resounding no. 
He never intended for us to live like this for one second of our lives. I believe wholeheartedly that that is why there are 365 fear knots in the Bible, one for every day of the week. He knew we would need a fresh one for each new day. I remember when we went on a mission trip to Haiti that was very unsettling. We stayed in a guest house that was protected, but due to the capacity of the house and the number of other people who were with us, we chose to sleep on the rooftop of this particular house. It was a great time. We made our bed out of parachutes, and as we lay under the wide open sky every single night of our stay, we enjoyed the sights and sounds of the evening. But on this particular time of the year, we witnessed the bringing in of the new year, and it came with a lot of drums and chanting. You see, Haiti is a country that worships a lot of things other than God, and we were under the constant sounds and sights of that. Voodoo drums were a constant, but on this particular night, New Year's Eve to be exact, I remember being awakened by a bright light off into the distance. However, it wasn't just one light. It was acres of light, possibly miles of light. It was a mountain on fire. Now, I'm not sure if it was custom for bringing in the new year or someone didn't put out their campfire or someone didn't dispose of their cigarette correctly, but this track of land was lit ablaze. Now, needless to say, I was not able to go back to sleep for the rest of the night as I lay in my parachute watching the fire get closer and closer and closer to us and fear began to take over. I started to put reason into action. My fight or flight senses were on high alert. You got to remember, we're on top of a roof. We will have to get down if that fire gets down into the village where we're staying and get out as quickly as possible. Being on top created quite a problem. But now I decided to lay back down to sleep for hours, but couldn't go there, and worried and wonder as I lay watching this fire grow closer and closer. Panicking and full of anxiety, and probably rightfully so. But as I continued to let this play out, and if I would imagine this to play out night after night, what mental state would I eventually have been in? My mind would have been full of angst and tiredness. There would not have been any clear thinking or rational reasoning if I ran for cover for so many more days. We cannot help wear what we are living in today. Our society has grown so toxic in mind, body, and spirit, and although we cannot control what goes on around us, we can certainly take control of what goes in us. What we put into our mind is vitally important to what we put into our bodies. In all reality, you and I would never open a bottle of bleach and take a drink, would we? Not on our lives, but we will do it day after day, week after week, opening up our brains to things on TV, social media, and things we watch on our devices that are equally as poisonous to our brains. There is an all-out war for your mind and mine. If the enemy can defeat us there, he can defeat us anywhere. So today I want to talk practicality. How do we stay toxic free in a world that is full of it? First and foremost, I have to say, if you try any other means of training your mind other than the Bible for your thought process, you will never win the war within. Second Corinthians 10 verses three through five says this, for though we live in the world, we do not wage war as the world does. 
The weapons we fight are not the weapons of the world. On the contrary, they have divine power to demolish strongholds. We demolish arguments in every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God, and we can take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. Paul is telling us to not fight like the rest of the world fights. It's not the way God wants us to do it. No, he wants us to take every dreadful, fearful, immoral, unholy, illicit thought that comes to our minds and drag it to the foot of the cross. But just because a bad thought goes through your mind, it doesn't mean that you're a bad person. That's the enemy trying to trip you up and get you to act out on that sinful thought. It's just like being tempted. Even though you may be tempted to sin, unless you act on what the enemy has tempted you to do, you have not sinned. The same is true for the mental thought. Listen to this. Experts say that the mind thinks between 60 to 80,000 thoughts a day. That's an average of 2,500 to 3,300 thoughts per hour. That is incredible. So if this number is true or anywhere being close to true, then we should carefully consider those thoughts that are harmful to us and what the ramifications could be if we don't control our minds. Listen to this familiar passage found in Philippians 4, 8. Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is holy, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. I also want to read the message version because I love this. It says, do best by filling your minds and meditating on things true, noble, reputable, authentic, compelling, gracious, the best, not the worst, the beautiful, not the ugly, things to praise, not things to curse. Put into practice what you have learned from me, what you heard and saw and realized. Do that. And God who makes everything work together will work you and his most excellent harmonies. I was thinking about our news outlets and they could gain a lot more popularity if they just followed these scriptures. But goodness doesn't really seem to sell on the TV screen today. Why is it that so many are attracted to such bad news? Crisis, heartache. Could it be that the enemy is only truly out to kill, steal, and destroy us? I believe so. If he can get your mind, he can have all of you. Think about the cycle on a, a simple day, any day of the week. You can pick it. Let's say you wake up on the wrong side of the bed. You wake up with poor thoughts and maybe it's raining out or you forgot you had a presentation to do today and you're not going to be prepared because you neglected to look at your calendar. Maybe you're hormonal and you think the rest of the world owes you a mean day. <laughs> you're downright grumpy, ungrateful, and overall, just a crank. So what does the rest of your day look like? More than likely, you won't eat as healthy. You may forego your workout. And generally, you will maintain that attitude of unhappiness and ill feelings for the remainder of the day. You did not maintain or even attempt to try this verse. To think on these things. Noble, reputable, authentic, compelling, gracious, the best, not the worst, the beautiful, not the ugly, things to praise, not to curse. God does not want us going around or sounding like we are sucking on lemons all day long. 
You and I both know that person that no matter what comes out of their mouth, it's negative. It doesn't take long and you realize that they are not the ones that you want to spend any time with, let alone try to have a conversation with. If you say spring is on its way, they complain and say it's about time. It's been a horrible winter. Or maybe you say, I can't wait for the flowers to bloom and the grass to green up. And they'll say, well, then I'll be stuck mowing my lawn every week, sometimes more than twice a week. And you may say, it's, I'm so glad to see the sun. And they complain, well, it's going to rain tomorrow. You get the picture. No matter what you say, they will counter with a negative and often hateful response. If this is you, I want you to ask yourself, what are you thinking about? Is it the things that are lovely and pure? If I were a betting woman, I would say probably not. Because what comes out of your mouth is what is in your heart. And what's in your heart is what you've been thinking about. Take, for instance, those who are critical and judgmental. They rarely, if ever, find anything nice to say about anybody. But if you go a little bit deeper, the problem really lies within them because more times than not, they are unhappy with themselves. So the only way to make themselves feel better is to point out everybody else's flaw, which in turn makes them feel better. Crazy, but true. They are thinking of all the bad instead of all the good. We've gone to dinner with people like that. No matter what restaurant we pick, they will find something to complain about. And then my husband and I want to fall all over the waitress to make up for all the complaining that this other couple has done. But the restaurant isn't the only place they're critical. It's with their family and their friends. And at the end of the day, they wonder why no one comes to visit anymore. Just like the adage, you are what you eat, the same goes for your thoughts. You are what you think. If you think on things that are lovely, then you will be a lovely person to be around. But if you are someone who finds the best in everyone, you will never lack having any kind of friends. But the opposite is true as well. Think ugly and you'll have an ugly attitude and join the ranks of the world and promote hatred and division. Our country is in so much turmoil today by what we have focused on. The statistics prove it. Suicide rates are up to an all-time high. Overdose cases are staggering, and the pharmaceutical companies are laughing all the way to the bank. They love that we can't get a grip and have the mind of Christ. They love that we have become so dependent on their drugs to keep us stable that we never blink an eye at becoming addicted to them and living a life empty of a beautiful mind, the mind that God intended for us to have. You see, Isaiah 26, 3 says, you keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on you because he trusts in you. Isn't that what we're trying for? To have peace within us, to be stable and settled. Again, we read in James 1, 8, verses 5 through 8, if you don't know what you're doing, pray to the Father. He loves to help. You'll get his help and you won't be condescended to when you ask for it. Ask boldly believing without a second thought because people who worry their prayers are like wind whipped waves. Don't think you're going to get anything from the master that way. Adrift at sea, keeping all your options open. First of all, we have to go to God to ask for help in our mental struggle. If you are in great turmoil, friend, over anything, ask God to help you. If it's in your marriage, ask him. If it's in your health, Ask him. 
If it's in your finances, go and ask him. Most importantly, if it's in your mental state of being, you must ask him. It says right here in James, if we don't ask and believe, then we will never receive. And then we will be like someone out at sea being tossed and turned over trying desperately to stay afloat. God gave me this vision while studying for this very show. I saw an ocean full of people being tossed like rag dolls up and over waves. They were flailing and trying to save themselves. But the world is throwing them a little toy floating device that you might find at a dollar store that would quickly pop if you were put out into an angry ocean. Well, we are in an angry ocean of circumstance for sure. This is no afternoon leisurely lay by the pool kind of day. No, this is where you were caught under tow and a fierce storm is on the horizon. Would you really reach for a little blow-up floating ring or would you reach for the one who is throwing you a lifeline to save your soul? Jesus is throwing you a lifeline today, friend. It's him. He's the one reaching out to you to save you. Not more money or cars or clothes or furniture or TVs are ever going to fill us and make us whole. The storms of life are raging, but this is not to dishearten us or discourage us. No, quite honestly, it's the opposite because God wants to create a miracle in all of us. We can read in the word where Peter is about to be the miracle himself. It says in verse 22, as soon as the meal was finished, he insisted that the disciples get into the boat and go on ahead to the other side while he dismissed the people. With the crowd dispersed, he climbed the mountain so he could be by himself and pray. He stayed there alone late into the night. Now, this is Jesus. Verse 24 goes on to say, Meanwhile, the boat was far out to sea when the wind came up against them and they were battered by the waves. At about four o'clock in the morning, Jesus came toward them walking on the water. They were scared to death and said, A ghost. But Jesus was quick to comfort them. Courage, it's me. Don't be afraid. Peter, suddenly bold, said, Master, if it's really you, call me to come out into the water. He said, come ahead. Jumping out of the boat, Peter walked on the water to Jesus. But when he looked down at the waves churning beneath his feet, he lost his nerve and started to sink. He cried, Master, save me. Jesus didn't hesitate. He reached down and grabbed his hand. Then he said, faint heart, what got into you? The two of them climbed into the boat and the wind died down. The disciples in the boat, having watched the whole thing, worshiped Jesus saying, this is it. You are God's son for sure. Now let's talk about these few verses for just a minute. Yes, Peter walking on water is a great part of this story. But I think the greater part is even when he looked down and took his eyes off of Jesus, that Jesus did not hesitate to reach out and save him. It says exactly that. Jesus did not hesitate. That means there was no delay in time. It was immediate. It was in in the instant he was in great danger of going under. Now, you can take that as literal or as figurative because either apply. Some of us are literally being swallowed up by our circumstances. And you know why? One, we are not reaching out to God to help us. We're reaching for the media, which is always a crazy maker in and of itself. Or two, we are not keeping our eyes on him when the waves of circumstance do threaten to take us under. 
If we look to the world, we are never going to make it. But if we look to the one who can calm the raging sea, can't he also calm our raging hearts and minds? We have to take God at his word, but we will have to be in his word to do so. I have a final question for you today. Have you renewed your mind lately? Has it been with the news of the day or has it been with the living water that fills our minds with beauty and wonder? The choice is yours. Yes, Jesus may be calling you out into the deep, but don't let that scare you because that is where the miracle takes place. Are you ready to fix your eyes and mind on Jesus? I sure hope so. Thanks for listening to Journey Living with Shannon Meyer. If you would like to hear this program again or request Shannon as a speaker, visit journeyliving.org. 